Well, this morning we are a second part of what we believe, and I thank Cliff for the um, uh, plug <laughs> the, to you know really talk about what we believe and why we believe it. And this morning we are in the part two. There is one God, and our God is one. So we have one God, our God is one. And Second Corinthians chapter thirteen, verse fourteen, it states the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. God the Son, and the love of God, God the Father, and the communion of the Holy Spirit, God the Holy Spirit, be with you all. <laughs> so that is Paul's admonition to the church at Corinth. So we believe in one God, uh, eternal, existent in three persons, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. We live in a universe whose vastness takes for granted a mighty maker whose beauty design and order speaks of purpose function and within the vastness of the space and time it all points to the one who put together order in the universe and not chaos so we don't believe in chaos theory we don't believe in the big bang theory um, we believe that god is the creator of the heavens and the earth and uh, no matter how far out we go in the galaxies and the stars and you know, they are just finding the endlessness of space. God is the one who planned it and put it, in, put it together. So the question is then, if um, we have this vastness in, uh, in the universe, um, who made it? <laughs> who made it? Well, for us, we know that uh, the laws of gravity are, and the laws of nature, the laws of the planets and motions and the... the um, circulation, the, what is it called, the circumference, the uh, moving of the, uh, the earth and the planets on their axis and, you know, how that they all spin in this order, <laughs> you know, you just can't, you just can't make that stuff up. <laughs> it doesn't just happen with a collision of atoms. <laughs> it, it, it happens by design and by choice. So it means that there is a grand design behind it all. So we can keep going back and forth of cause and effect and how these things are, are coming together, but you cannot keep going back and forth without admitting after very long that we know that the forever being is God, and he is the eternal one who has revealed himself in Scripture. So God has seen fit to create. God has seen fit to breathe into us the breath of life. God has seen fit to reveal himself through the prophets and through the words and through, through the word, through Christ and through the apostles and through the writings of the, of the New Testament. So God is the cause and source of every good thing that comes to our life and to, that comes to where we are. It is, it is interesting that Scripture never attempts to prove that God exists. It just simply states, in the beginning, God. So, you know, it just, God is, and that's the statement. So, in all of the scriptures, there's nothing that tries to prove that God exists. There is just this apparent fact in the, in the prophets, and in the writings, and Moses, and so on, in the Pentateuch. There is just this, God is. <laughs> and so, he always has been, he always will be. So, and belief, then, is a is Belief is as natural to man as breathing. When we are children, children believe. 
they have to, t- they have to learn to um, distrust and not believe. And so we find that God has set forth a series of proofs of his existence. And the proof of the existence of God is not primarily in faith. The scriptures declare to us that God is. In Hebrews 11.1, 1, that faith is the substance. There is substance to our faith. And it is the evidence of things not yet seen. So faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence... So we, b- we build our faith on substance and evidence. And so whenever we are talking about Jesus, he is a person, a real person. He is God incarnate. And that, that is the, the, the substance of our belief is Christ. And we find that what, he ha- what we hope for is what he has taught us. So there is substance and there is hope. And these things come together in Christ. So it isn't that we are believing in nothing. We are believing in a person. We're believing in God. We're believing how God has put this place together. He that cometh to God must believe that he is. So it's just, it's a belief, it's an understanding, substance. (laughs) You're putting the facts together brings us to this understanding about God. There are no passages in scripture which speak to men as reaching the knowledge of God, uh, of of his existence through nature. It, it, God just, you know, God created nature, but he is not nature. Uh, he created us, but you're not God. Just for some of, you know, some people need to hear that. They're not God. <laughs> you, know, so, you know, sorry about that. Burst your bubble. But um, no, one has, no one has thought, found God through meditation or enlightenment or through the energy fields of the, of the planet and of the solar system. And, you know, it's important, that we, it's important that we look beyond ourselves and, and our own human reasoning because you can't figure God out. <laughs> it takes God to reveal God. If you don't want to believe in God, you cannot, rev- you can't, you know, he doesn't show up and say, okay, here I am, you know, figure me out. No. He comes to us through his word and through his spirit, and he teaches us bit by bit by bit. So why do we attempt to prove that there is a God? Well, we like tangible things, you know? We like to have something that is tangible that we can hold on to. We can say, this is God. Well, what we come up with is, for us, it is the scripture. This is the revelation of God. This is not God, but it is the revelation of God to us. And so... Uh, We seek to prove the existence of God to, I don't know, to prove to ourselves and to others that there's something behind our belief. You know, we'd like to have something square, you know. Well, God did this for me. Here, this is God. And that's why the children of Israel, they sought to make idols like the other neighboring neighboring countries because these neighboring people could put up their God and worship him. (laughs) They could sacrifice their children to him. Yeah, yay. <laughs> what? Yeah, you know, so they had these gods that they could look at, and so the children of Israel, they wanted a god they could look at. And God says, no, you, you know, do not put any graven images up. So it's, it's important that we understand that whenever we believe, our belief is not in nothing. Our belief is in a substance, which is Christ, and his truth and his word that he has given us. So 
we find evidence of God's existence in creation, but the creation is not God. It is his creation. Um, we find evidence of God's existence in human nature and human history. The universe must have had a, there is a first a cause because the energy, because the universe is here, there is a cause, and then what happens? There has to be a, an effect. There has to be a creator if there is a cause. If something is there, it just didn't appear. Scripture says the things that we have are not like they just appear. God is the one who created. He spoke these things in, into existence. The design of creation. <laughs> the, you know, I, I like, there's a, there used to be a, I think it was on the University of Florida. They had a, a, a shot from the, the Milky Way way out in space somewhere, and you saw this little dot out there, which was our solar system. And then they came getting closer and closer. Finally, you saw the blue marble. You saw the earth. Then you saw the sky. And then you saw uh, a leaf on a tree. And then you saw the, <laughs> the molecular structure of the leaf and then you saw down into the leaf and it was like wow so from way out there to down inside of a leaf we find you know it all has a pattern and you know all of this speaks of a, a creative mind something someone behind all of this it doesn't just happen so man's nature with all of its urges and aspirations points to a personal God you know we we look for God to be with us. We look for God to speak to our lives. So divine and beauty that are evident in the universe, the flowers, the trees, the sky, there, there is a design and there is a beauty. And what are all these things? They imply a designer. Um, I was looking at uh, the, the, did you ever see that, the, the clock in the cathedral in Strasbourg, France. I had never seen that one, but I looked it up, and uh, this clock in the cathedral there is huge. And, you know, it's a normal clock with a face, you know. But then there's this huge wheel that goes around, and it has all of the, the, the you know, the whole year on this um, wheel. And it has the phases of the moon and the, planet, the um, um, positions of the planet, planets in the solar system as it goes around. And then uh, at the top, there are this parade of individuals that come out, you know, every, every half hour that, that circle around the, uh, uh, around the face of the clock. And if you were to go to that place and you would suggest that there was never a designer, <laughs> if you would see this and see uh, the intricacies and how they put this, I mean, how they must have had to put it together, and say, well, I really don't believe there was a designer. That thing just happened. <laughs> you know, what would happen? People would laugh. You must be nuts. So here we have this intricate universe and the balance of nature and the balance of, you know, the ebb and tide of everything that's going on. And we're under the impression that perhaps we can change nature by our actions and upset the balance of nature. And perhaps we can and perhaps we have. But the whole idea is behind it all, there's a grand design. Reason tells us that the universe had to have had a beginning. So every effect 
must have an adequate cause. The universe as we picture it is a system of thousands and millions of galaxies. Each galaxy is a swarm of thousands and millions of stars. And then whenever you're in all this, there is this big blue marble stuck somewhere out in the middle of nowhere <laughs> in, a, in a galaxy and a, a surrounding a sun, a star. And we wonder, how did that, how did that happen? It all just fell together. So, Terry, you'll have to help me out with this one. Suppose we take a novel such as Pilgrim's Progress, War and Peace, or one of Shakespeare's plays, and we would take a terabyte. Terabyte? <laughs> a terabyte is one trillion bytes. So what's a byte? Other than <laughs> gnawing teeth. Is it, is, it a, is it a word or is it a group of words? It's a word. So one, one trillion words. Okay. So you would have one trillion words. And so you would take those one trillion words, throw them up in the air. And we can't do that with a terabyte. But you would throw it up in the air and somehow it would fall back down into the computer, onto the hard drive, and you would come up with a book. You would come up with a novel. And the idea is, you nuts, okay? Well, if you look at the universe, we're saying that all of these terabytes, these trillions and trillions and trillions of, of particles and, and masses and stuff like that have all come together, and they from nothing have created something. And they call us nuts. So, and... I think also of our atheist friends who believe in the absolute denial of God. <laughs> they believe in the absolute denial of God. You know, God says to everyone he has given a measure of faith. And some people take their measure of faith to believe that he does not exist, that God is not there. So if you think about that, I, you know, we were just talking with individuals and their families. They were going through difficulties, and they said, what do people do who don't believe in God? You know, what happens to them? Where, where do they go for help? You know, what do, they, what do they believe in? So they don't believe in a divine plan. They don't believe in divine love. They don't believe in a life after death. They have, but also they have no accountability. They do as they please. They deny, the denial of a higher purpose means that they're just making it on their own. There's no reprieve from forgiveness for past actions. There's no forgiveness because they don't have anyone to forgive them. Nor do they forgive others because there is no example that forgiveness is set before them. So this person amounts to nothing more than an animal on the food chain of life because they have nothing to believe in. No purpose, no plan, they're just here. <laughs> it's interesting that a little proof can show that there is a God and that there is no amount of proof that can prove there is no God. The nature of God. The Westminster Catechism. <laughs> God is a spirit, infinite, eternal, 
unchangeable in his being, unchangeable in his wisdom, unchangeable in his power, unchangeable in his holiness, unchangeable in his justice, unchangeable in his goodness, and unchangeable in his truth. So if we were to define God, we would be able to formulate that uh, definition of God by his names. Now, I thought of how that in our own life we have names. You know, if you've named your kid, how many names did you go through to get your, get your kid's name, you know, your child's name? And how many times did you read a name and say, I'm not naming them now, I know somebody. You know, <laughs> their name goes, I'm not naming them that person. Well, David means beloved. Robert, <laughs> he's not here, I was going to tell him. You know. Robert means bright fame. Fame, bright, shining. It is Scottish. Clifford, uh, meanings cliff side ford. Cliff side ford. It is the name of British origin. It is traditionally an Anglo-Saxon surname. And Clifford is also the name of a small rural village in English in England's West Yorkshire. So, and the name of Janet. Ta-da, I had to get a lady in here. Janet's origin is British, meaning God is gracious, God's gracious gift. And it is particularly popular in Scotland. So we know that names have their meaning, and so we give names to kids and hope that they grow into it, you know? <laughs> you know, we, we name them something and hope that they, you know, that's what they become. Well, whenever we're looking in Scripture and we have the names of God, we, are, we see it from an entire different perspective. God is doing something, and then his name is attached to it. Or his name that is attached to it reveals what he is doing. So whenever we talk about worship, to worship God is to call upon his name. You know, we worship him. For whom? <laughs> we are worshiping Jehovah, Jehovah God. To, hear, to fear his name, to reverence his name, to praise his name, to glorify his name, each activity of worship and reverence, praise and glory, are connected to a particular name of God, even though we don't even know it. So when we talk about um, someone who is um, blaspheming the name of God, they are taking something that is holy, sacred, and attaching, something, and attaching it to something that's not holy. All right? so, so when we are looking uh, to the reverence to, re- to reverence God is to hallow or to revere his name. So what does God, what God does for his people is expressed by his names, all right? We have different names of God. And what he does is expressed by these names. So and when his people experience his grace, his divine favor, then it is said they know his name. <laughs> so... It's important, uh, when, I won't go that far, that's a whole different direction. All right, so, uh, I was going to go off course, imagine that, but uh, I'm not going to go there. So, whenever we're looking at Jehovah, Jehovah is translated Lord. In many versions, the word Elohim is the creator God, and it is used in respect to his creative power and omnipotence. So, in the beginning, God. So, in the beginning, Elohim, creator God. So, if we are referencing creation, we say God created the heavens and the earth, 
we would actually, if we were being specific, we would say Elohim, which means creator God, uh, heaven and earth. All right? So second, God is known as Jehovah Rapha, the Lord that healeth. So whenever we are praying for healing, we say in Jesus' name, well, what we're actually saying in the Old Testament would Jehovah Rapha, touch this need. And so we are, we are declaring the name of God. And so whenever we, we say the name of Jesus, uh, well, when we say the name of Jesus, we are actually referencing all of these names that have particular meanings and have particular references. And so when God was revealing himself, he was revealing himself through his name. Go back to um, Moses whenever, you know, tell them that I am that I am has sent you, okay? Well, what we're doing here is that revelation that began with Moses, I am that I am, I am the creator, I am Elohim. <laughs> um, the creator, crea you know, I am that I am, I am Jehovah Rapha, I'm your healer. So you see, the I am was just the beginning of the revelation. So whenever we're praying and we, talk and we say and our requests are for healing or for God to create something out of nothing, we're actually calling upon his name. So God is Jehovah Rapha. When Israel was oppressed by their enemies, they would call upon the name of the, name of the Lord known as Jehovah Nissi. The Lord is our banner. We fight under the banner of God. So whenever they are going into battle, when they are uh, going forth into difficulties, the Lord is our banner. And so people, you know, there weren't uh, cell phones and communication networks and things like that. So people would carry flags and banners, and uh, soldiers were taught to follow the banner. <laughs> so they had to follow the flag, and they knew that they were going to go. That's their, that was their unit. That was their place uh, that they were to fight their battle and follow that flag. That was their orders. So we then, whenever we're going into difficulty, having difficulty, we're following the banner, we're under the banner of Jehovah Nissi. So this is, we are going forward with God. He is, he is covering us. In the book of Judges, we have Gideon. And Gideon... Um, made a declaration that Jehovah Shalom, the Lord is peace, the God of peace. Now, Gideon is described as a being, as an individual who uh, was overloaded with care. All right? He's overloaded with all the problems going on. And God reveals himself, Jehovah Shalom, to that he is the Lord of peace. And Gideon was a plain, it talks about him being a rude man, with very little religious experience, Apparently, up to that moment of his vision, he had been content to tolerate the idolatrous practices uh, of the country. He had heard of Jehovah, but he had only traditions to go by. That was all he knew of the God of Israel. And into this hearsay religion, in a flash, Gideon is <laughs> encountering the presence of God. And this hearsay God is beside him, and he is speaking to him, and the God of everyone 
the God everyone doubted that he existed and that he even cared for them is now speaking to Gideon. And later he's going to call him you know, to do a work, but he hears the voice of God and there in this busyness of his work and the threshing floor and all the things he has to do and you know, the nation of Israel being in chaos, God shows up and says, Jehovah Shalom, I'm the Lord your peace. Then we have the pilgrims of this world. You know, this is you know, where we are at, where we live. We learn the name of Jehovah Reha. The Lord is my shepherd. 20, Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my Jehovah Raha. And when we encounter the need for justification, being set free from our sins, we have Jehovah Sidney you. I looked that up on the computer and they spoke it to me. Jehovah Sidney you. All right, so... <laughs> So that is Jeremiah. In the days Judah will be saved and Israel will live in safety. This is the name by which you will be called. The Lord our righteousness. The Lord our righteous Savior. So, you know, each of these things, confessing our sins, asking Christ to forgive us, he is our Savior. He is our Jehovah Sidney you. And when in need, we know this one, when in need, God is known as Jehovah Jireh, my provider. So the Lord who provides. So whenever we are praying and asking, Lord, I need this in my life, Jehovah Jireh, we are praying. So we find that Jesus fulfills all of these revelations that are given uh, in the Old Testament. And And when the kingdom of God shall have come upon the earth, it will be Jehovah Shammah, the Lord is there. The Lord is there. He is here. So whenever we start putting this together, there are the names of God, there are the attributes of God. And I I have a lot more, but I know I have a deadline here. Uh, Whenever we look at the names of God, he is the creator, he is the healer, he is the banner over us, he is our peace, he is my shepherd, he is my righteousness, he is our Lord, he is our provider, God is here. He has na- the name of God speaks these things to us. And then we have the attributes of God. Um, the attributes of God. God is a spirit. They that worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. So he is not confined with body parts. Okay? Um, he is a person. He can be accepted or rejected. He can be hindered. He can be grieved. He is infinite. There is no beginning or is no end. God does not learn. We have omniscience. That's, that's, that's coming up here. He's all-knowing. That God is omniscient, that he doesn't learn things. He knows things. From the very beginning to the very end, he knows it all. He knows what, <laughs> he knows what hair number I have on my head, and he knows the, the furthest extents, extent of the universe that is beyond the furthest star, which if there is a place, he's there and knows that. He is infinite in his knowledge. He is eternal. No beginning, no end. God is everywhere present. God is all-powerful. He can do all of these things, and nothing is impossible for him. So when we start putting the names of God 
and the attributes of God together, we start finding ourselves with this great belief system that is before us. And, and I was thinking of the, the, the Lord's Prayer. Okay? When we pray, our Father, it is Elohim, the Creator God. My Father is the Creator God, Elohim, who art in heaven. He's omnipresent. He's, a, he's there with the angels, and he's here with me. Hallowed be thy name. You know, this always was one of those places that I, I kind of, and I, I thought, surely somebody smarter than I have figured this out. But hallowed be thy name. What name? Elohim, creator. Jehovah Rapha, health. Hallowed be the name that is my creator, that is my health. Jehovah Nissi, the Lord, my banner. Hallowed be the name of the God that I walk with every day. Hallowed be the name of Shalom, my peace. <laughs> Hallowed be the name of Jehovah Reha, the Lord, my shepherd, who will guide me. Jehovah Sidney, you, the Lord, my righteousness, my exchanging my sin for his righteousness. Jehovah Jireh, the Lord who provides. Hallowed be the name of the God who, of God who provides for my, for my needs. Hallowed be the name of Jehovah Shammah, the Lord is here. So whenever we read this prayer, whenever we're thinking about hallowed be thy name, it's all of the names. Which one of those names fits for the need that we are going to ask? Because that is God's revelation to us. Thy kingdom come, God is a spirit without limitations. Thy will be done, God's divine providence to work in the hearts of man, to work in the lives of his, of his believers. In earth as in heaven, <laughs> in relation to time, God is eternal. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will never pass away. God is eternal. It's not concerned with, consumed with moments of time. Give us this day our daily bread, Jehovah Jireh. He will have and he will provide for my every need. The forgiveness, forgive us our trespasses. God, my righteousness. Jehovah, Sidney, you. As we forgive others, the Lord, our healer. The Lord, and lead us not into temptation. Jehovah, Raha, the Lord is my shepherd. Deliver us from evil. Jehovah Shammah, the Lord is there. Thine is, thine is the kingdom. It's eternal. Attribute. No beginning, no end. His kingdom is forever. And the power, omnipotence, all-powerful. And glory. God is sovereign. There is no other God beside him. Forever. <laughs> Omnipotent, omnipresent, omniscient God. It's all there in the names and the characters of God. We believe. <laughs> do, you see the, do you see the tremendous God that we serve and how much he speaks to us through his name? And we just summarize it all and say, in Jesus' name, because that encompasses. But it encompasses all of this and much more. That's why we believe. 
That's the substance of our faith. It is God himself. And he has given us his name. And his name is wonderful. His name is peace. He is the Prince of Peace. Jesus is my Savior. There is no other name greater in heaven or on earth than the name of Jesus. Amen? We believe. We believe. I believe because of his name and attributes and character. He will never leave me nor forsake me. <laughs> he is everywhere present. Amen? God, we thank you for your character, for your attributes, for these, these qualities that you have revealed to us in your word. We believe. Because of you, we believe. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for hearing our prayer and helping us to understand. And whenever we pray, as we pray, may we remember your name because you speak it to our hearts. And that is the foundation for our request. In the name of Jesus, we pray. In the name of Jehovah Jireh, <laughs> Jehovah Nissi, the Jehovah Shalom, the Jehovah Raha, the Jehovah Sidney You, Jehovah Shammah, the Lord is here. Amen. <laughs> Amen. God bless you. Let's go play games. <laughs> Should make a board game out of that, huh? <laughs>